Welcome to the CJOB Sports Show podcast, the final one of 2019. On this episode, we catch up with Leah Hextall on the Winnipeg Jets. Can we say they're slumping? Oh no. Then Kelly Moore helps us out talking with Kim Davis, MJHL president. As there's been a serious injury in the MMJHL, details not being shared, but looking back on what happened four years ago with Brayden Pettinger and what the MJHL learned from that incident. Plus, a preview of the Westman Classic Women's Volleyball taking center stage for the first time. That's all coming up on the podcast. We begin the show with Leah Hextall. Two weeks ago, I said, Leah, if we don't see each other, talk again, good Christmas season to you. And she's like, we'll talk again. And this is us talking again. So the Jets have lost three of their last four, Leah, after a, a hot November. They won 10 games that month. They're 4-3-1 and one here in October. Is it safe to say the Jets are slumping? Uh, you know, the fact of the matter is, yes, they've lost three of their last four. But after losing the other night, that's the first time that they've lost back-to-back games since October. And I think that for any hockey club, if you look at that statistic, it's an important one. Because the fact is, it's all about how you respond to a loss. And so far this season, the Jets have been able to consistently put it behind them and move forward. Now, I would suggest, and Paul Marie spoke of it, and I know that some people don't believe that this is a real thing, but the Christmas blues are a real thing around the National Hockey League. The last week up until the Christmas break is very difficult. A lot of, you know, as he mentioned, there's a lot of players. They have family already coming in. They're thinking about, I've got three days to travel somewhere. It really is something that starts to distract players and when it comes to playing professional hockey yes you should be able to put distraction aside but let's face it athletes are human just like the rest of us and it's not always the easiest thing to do so I I do agree with you that you know three of the last four being losses is not a good way to go out but they still have two games before the Christmas break they take both these games and then we've got a different situation going into Christmas. So Connor Hellebuck has well his numbers have gone down a little bit because the team has allowed 18 goals in the last four games. How much of that is Hellebuck and how much of that is Matthew Perot, Andrew Kopp are out now and they need a little more help defensively? Yeah, and let's not forget Dmitry Kulikov. I mean, as much as people sometimes like to throw him under the bus, he is a stable right now on the Jets' back end and he's out as well. So uh, the fact of the matter is I think it does have something to do with injury right now. I was actually taking a look at the injuries today, and I'm thinking let's not forget about Brian Little. Like, I mean, these are important players that are out of the lineup, and some of them are out for an extended period of time. So I don't think you can really place any kind of blame on Connor Hellebuck for anything at this point because he truly in the MVP of this team, in my opinion, um, holding them in on multiple nights. But it's, you know, it's going to be a tough task for the Jets right now. They are very banged up. They already have a blue line that is kind of a mixed match. But I think what people really have to look to is, you know, and we saw it just with the fact that they picked up Eric Comrie, is what the Jets have been able to do with waiver wire pickups this year. And, you know, you think about Nick Shore, Carl Dahlstrom, Lucas Spiza. I mean, the fact is these guys come in and they play small minutes, but these are really important minutes. And they become even more important considering the fact with injuries. So I think there's been some smart moves done here on the waiver wire that has managed to keep things at bay for the Jets, but it's not going to get any easier for them going into the new year because we know when they get back from Christmas, they've got three straight games against Central Division opponents and two of them being St. Louis Blues and the Colorado Avalanche, which are two very strong teams. Yeah, yeah, they got the Wild and the Habs right before Christmas, and they come back 27th Blues, 29th Blues, 31st Avalanche. So real tough stretch. <laughs> Happy New Year. Yeah, no kidding. But, 
hey, they've done pretty well against the better team so far. I know Carolina notwithstanding, they've seemed to play up to their opposition. They do. And I mean, that was one thing I think I actually saw a stat about it the other day and forgive me because I can't remember it, but they, they really have done well against teams that are above them in the standings. Because if you think about it, you know, losing to Detroit, losing to the LA Kings, these are teams that the Jets technically, when you look at the standings, they should not lose to, but have had trouble with. And I have to say, Christian, I'm kind of interested about tomorrow's game against the wild, because as we know, the Jets have perennially, especially last season, had a really hard time against Minnesota. It's been one of those teams that in the regular season, they just seem to have a difficult uh, stretch against. So we'll see how they do tomorrow against a team that once again is below them, but not by very, much the Minnesota Wild have surprised a lot of people this season and they're very strong at home only one loss in their last 13 games on home ice and they're chasing down that second wild card spot right now yeah right now just three points back of the Winnipeg Jets for that final spot your Hextall on hockey yesterday touched on the Dustin Bufflin situation and you're optimistic that he will be back in a Jets uniform is there hey, let's go deeper into that what gives you that kind of optimism because just like I said in Hexon Hockey, it's a business. And at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if trust is tarnished or there's some hurt feelings or ruffled feathers, as they like to call them in the Jets organization. He makes this team better if he's not only healthy, but game ready. You know, that Christian is where I think the crux of the situation will lie on. It's one thing to rehabilitate the injury and be ready to go and medically cleared. But Dustin Bufflin, as we know, he is a player that, you know, he's a big man. And think of how long it's been since he's played hockey. He's also a man that has battled his weight in the past. There's been, you know, we've pointed it out in the media, as has the organization when he hasn't come back fully in the shape that he needs to be. So at his age, his size, coming back from an injury, it's not just about health. It's about, is he game ready? But I will guarantee you, if he is game ready and deemed that by the Jets that he can play in the NHL, he's going to be back on their blue line. Because at the end of the day, what does he do? He helps their cause. And, you know, you're talking about a team that many are saying, well, if they're in a playoff position or doing well at the trade deadline, they got to go out and, you know, sharpen up their defense. You just mentioned not being strong enough defensively because you're missing some of those players, not only defensemen, but forwards who are good two-way forwards because of injury. Well, Dustin Bufflin does help. No matter what has gone on, he helps. He's a player. He's a game changer if he's game ready and healthy. Well, and the biggest thing for him in the last couple of years is he's been great in the postseason. And he's definitely someone you'd love to have in April, May, and God forbid, June. But he has to be at 100% for him to even entertain that, one would think. Yeah, he's got to be ready to be effective. But you just hit it right there. I mean... We talk about this a lot uh, with goaltenders and the the new thing in sport. It's not really new, but the new word for it is load management. We've seen goaltenders, how, you know, teams are aware now that you need that tandem of goaltenders because a goaltender can't even play, say, 60 plus games and expect to get through all the way to the Stanley Cup. Think about what a healthy Dustin Bufflin, Bufflin does if he can come back right before the playoffs. I mean, he'll come back fresh and ready to go and not having played an 82 game schedule. We've never seen that out of him. I would be really interested to see what kind of Buffalo we would see in the postseason if that ends up being the case. Mm-hmm. Now the Jets up front, they're dealing with some, some depth. I know we talked about the waiver wire pickups, but long-term, you know, this is an opportunity right now for players like, you know, Luoto, we've got, you know, Nick Shores in there now, 
Logan Shaw is in there now. Maybe Jansen Harkins gets a chance at some point here with the injuries to Cop and Perot. Should these players be looking at this as an audition, or should they know that, okay, once those guys are back, I'm back to the moose? Listen, it doesn't matter if they're back to the moose because every time you get a chance to lace it up in the National Hockey League, if you don't look at it as that's an opportunity for you, you don't deserve to be in the NHL, and that's just the bottom line. You make hay while you can, and you don't even think about that. It's about every second that you are allowed to step on the ice and do your job to the best of your abilities to make your mark on the National Hockey League and for the Jets. I mean, you have to understand that, like, this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for some of these players. Injury creates opportunity. We don't want to see it. It's a cliche, but it's a cliche for a reason because it's true. And, you know, I really look at a player like Logan Shaw. I mean, this is a guy that's not always the first call-up, right? It's taken several injuries up front, to your point, Christian, for him to get a chance. So what's he going to do while he's here? And, you know, what a great – it is a great opportunity. And, you know, yes, when the Jets get healthy again, they will be sent down. But that's okay because it's all about showing that you can compete in the NHL so that maybe you are the next time the next guy called up instead of another player who's maybe ahead of you on the depth chart. Something you never want to see at any level of any sport, a local hockey player for the St. Vital Victorias badly hurt during a game last night. Midway through the first at St. Vital Arena, a member of the Victoria suffered a severe injury when he and an opponent from the Raiders club collided and went headfirst into the boards. The player was taken off the ice on a stretcher, transported to hospital where he remains under observation. MMGHL president Kerry Lines and St. Vital team president Dwayne Joseph both confirmed to 680CGOB that the play was perfectly legal, but said no details of the player's name, the extent of his injury, because they want to respect the wishes of family, friends, and teammates. Now, something similar happened just over four years ago in the Manitoba Junior Hockey League when Portage defenseman Braden Pettinger went headfirst into the boards, also as the result of a seemingly harmless play during a game against the Winnipeg Blues at the then-MTS Iceplex. It's one of the reasons why our Kelly Moore spoke with MJHL Commissioner Kim Davis today, talking about how that league responded. I couldn't help but when I heard about this thing, about the incident that took place at uh, the Iceplex four years ago uh, involving your league and Braden Pettinger of the Portage Terriers. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's a dreadful, dreadful thing just to hear about it, regardless of what level of hockey, you know, is involved and in, 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 in who the individuals are. Um, so, you know, you, uh, as you, you and I were chatting, you informed me by text, and I'm out of the country right now. But so I'm, I'm just hearing about this, uh, and, and you know, it's it's awful, it's dreadful, and uh, you know, certainly you, you hardly have words to to uh, express uh, what what you what you feel about it. That's for sure. One of the reasons I did want to get in contact with you, Kim, and I appreciate the fact that you are on a family vacation and. Uh, uh, and are still willing to, to, to at least help. And that's what we're looking for right now is help. If you can, go back four years ago, because it was just a little over four years ago that mm-hmm. uh, an incident occurred where Braden Pettinger, who'd just been traded to Portage from Wayway, was, I think he was playing in one of his either first or second games with the Terriers, and a, 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 a seemingly harmless play had such devastating uh, consequences. What What do you remember about 
having to deal with that as a league from, you know, whether it's from a coverage or an emotional point of view? Yeah. Well, you know, the first thing that I recall is, you know, you, you just uh, as a, you know as a commissioner and, and a league representative, you just want to support the the individuals involved in in that case, you know, Braden and his family and his parents in particular and his siblings and uh, you know and support. You know, it's it's uh, what I mean by that is it, it's hardly adequate, but you. You just reach out by phone, and uh, you, you just obviously initially tell them how sorry you are, uh, and then you know you, you, you just say whatever you, you you can do, you know, verbally and, and and to discuss things and talk about about things, you know, with a shoulder uh, to lean on is is basically you know the biggest thing that I recall that that we were able to do, and uh, you, you know, kind of organically. You know the various uh, things that a, that a society does, a hockey society does, in the form of uh, you know communicating the, the 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 severity of the of the circumstance that had occurred, and then you know the 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 generosity of the of the follow up as it relates to fundraising and and just making people aware. Uh, those are the things that. You know, you know. At the time, the MJHL really can't take credit for that, uh, but but we were obviously fully supportive. And and I must say too, just you know, the the, the mainstream media, uh, by extension as well, was you know uh, unbelievable in terms of their generosity of of support to communicate about the the the, the you know the, the incident that occurred um, and. You know, again, the biggest thing was, uh, my recollection was just, just being, you know, available to to talk and to support uh, the family members, and you know, it, it, it in the case of Braden, there there wasn't a lot for us because, frankly, they, they, you know, they wanted to to deal with it. It was a very personal thing, for, mm-hmm. you know, for for a family, and in Braden's case, and. Um, and, and rightfully so, you know, they wanted, it's an, it's a, you know, a catastrophic shock when something like that happens. And so, you know, you, you just want to be uh, respectful and, but, but supportive too, at the same time. And, uh, um, you know, um, you know, there, there, there's obviously the practical side of things too, which comes into play later as it relates to, you know, financial support and, you know, insurance and all those sorts of things. But, uh, you know, what I tried to do at the time was just, just to find out what all the, the, you know, the, the, the practical things were behind the scenes with our insurance program that we could do and, and, and provide information to the family about those things when, when, when they, when, when that part of it came into play, which was sometime after the, the initial, uh, accident itself. So, um, yeah, you know, and uh, that's that's really about it. I mean, it's uh, it's one of those things you, you you feel like I say so inadequate to 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 uh, to assist someone with, but you know, you do your you do what you can and do your best in the in the best way you can. Right, and in every situation, as you just mentioned, Kim is unique. Uh, in this case, you know, the the Pettinger family, uh, as you mentioned, uh, uh, felt very strongly about dealing with this on their own. 
What about, mm-hmm. uh, do you remember how you handled it as far as uh, the, the traumatic experience it would have been for the other player involved or the players mm-hmm. who were involved in that game? And let's extend that to the referees and the coaches as well. Uh, uh, did you you know, did you have a support network for, for those people to yeah. go and, and, and deal with what had happened? Yeah, yeah, we we contacted you know individuals and uh, th- that were able to to uh, you know counsel uh, the, the people that uh, that were directly involved. Uh, you know, in the case, in Braden's case, uh, there was one player in particular who was you know uh, two players were in close contact prior just prior to the you know to, to the to the incident, and so there was you know some some stress obviously that he and other players um on both teams encountered directly as a result of that and so we were you know we, we were very supportive in terms of of getting counseling for them to talk things over and through and uh you know again the two teams at the time the winnipeg blues and the porters terriers uh each of those those coaches that were in place at the time could could give you more detail about about the sort of the immediacy of 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 the, the reaction of the players on on those teams at that time better than I could, but um, we we did provide that and, and and followed up with that and and then again, um, you know there there was an entire investigation that had to happen as well, which you know is you know a more of a clinical thing, but uh, uh, who does know, who that does that yeah. took, took place. Who who uh, who conducts the investigation? Is that done well, by the league it, or it, by an independent party? Yeah, it was it was um, um, uh, part of the the uh, the Hockey County Insurance Program. They 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 have organizations that do those investigations and may lead them on behalf of the insurance company. And so they talk to the, the all the individuals involved, including right. ourselves, yeah. Hockey Manitoba, the teams, the players, yeah. officials. Yeah. And we want to stipulate that the, we are making reference only to the incident that took place involving in your league four years ago. We are That's not right. drawing the parallel uh, to what has just happened here. Uh, Commissioner Kim Davis is on the line with us. And Kim, I guess just, and you've been very gracious with your time. I appreciate that. Just in closing, um, sure. if, if uh, anybody reached out to the Manitoba Junior Hockey League from the MMJHL for advice, uh, what kind, is there anything that you could offer them? Ah, well, you know, again, it, it, it's totally, in my view, inadequate. I mean, it's, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, the only thing I, I think I guess I would say is, you know, you, you have to be mindful of, of the, 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 the one individual, uh, you know, the primary individual, uh, you know, that, that has been injured and, and, and their, and, and his wishes and the, and the wishes of his family to, to deal with this this incident now in the in the way that they wish to and, and you have to be respectful of that uh, in my opinion and then and then more broadly though as i said in, in, in reference to the circumstance that happened in our league um you know the the broader community of of hockey including ourselves or you know whatever support we can do and provide we will and uh we, we certainly would uh, would like to express that in, in, in the strongest terms. That's Kelly with Kim Davis. Kelly also spoke with Peter Woods today, Executive Director of Hockey Manitoba. In a situation like that, and hopefully there haven't been too many in the past that you'd have to make reference to, but 
what's the usual protocol when this kind of a situation occurs? Oh, anytime there is an injury, uh, you know, whether it's a uh, you know, a basic injury or something that's uh, more severe that uh, individuals have to file a claim with uh, with Hockey Manitoba to open up a, the insurance claim there to see if there's a availability and support in those particular areas. So other off uh, through that, uh, additional resources are provided and uh, for the more severe injuries that uh, there could be grief counselling involved to the players or coaching staff or officials or anyone that's directly involved in that. And then, the, then also they, they go through that process with the insurers and then you know there is certainly resources that are made available to uh, uh, individuals uh, whether that's uh, rehabilitation or otherwise in the event there are some very serious injuries. Because every situation is different is there a template or a handbook to deal with these Peter or is it just something that you pick up through experience? No there is a there is a handbook that's available it's identified certainly on our website or safety for all uh, booklet that identifies the the uh, uh, the uh, criteria or the policies that are involved with the, in our insurance policy, so that that is made available and that's available to all our players or members that are involved in our program. Yeah. And, and I don't imagine there's any way to know an exact number, but would it be accurate to say that these cases have been isolated in Manitoba? I'm talking about the severe injury uh, situations. There's only there's only been a handful, and you know the 18 years that I've been involved. But uh, one is too many, and uh, you know several are, are far too many. And it's uh, I certainly uh, you know for anyone that is involved in that, a family or the individuals, it's a uh, it's a very difficult situation. And uh, certainly, I think everyone wishes them all the best. Now let's talk about the Westman Classic, the 53rd annual classic goes. December 28th through 30th at the Duckworth Centre. This year's spotlight shines on women's volleyball with eight teams from three provinces broken into two pools. Winnipeg, Brandon, Manitoba, Lakehead, Guelph, McMaster, St. Mary's, and Dalhousie. Today I had the chance to talk to a few people about the annual event, which is featuring women's volleyball for the very first time. Let's start with Athletic Director Dave Crook. I think it's unbelievable. You know, I think when you have a, an event that's the biggest event athletically on your campus every year and at one time it was only one gender one sport now i think the fact that we're sharing it i think it's awesome and i think it it gives everybody a bigger buy-in and i think you know even for the other athletes and stuff it's much more exciting you know they'll want to come out and support their fellow westman and now how long ago was this decision made to to start this four four sport rotation well it depends on you want the truth or do you want me to uh i mean we've done it for three years when i got the job as ad i talked uh, to the dean at the time because i thought it was something that we needed to do and that we needed to make the change you know we put things in place we really felt that the classic had to get to 50 for the men's basketball because you know we were so close so we got it to 50 and then at that point we made the change we're moving forward the way it is now you know we're in eternity, we hope. And now, for your fourth year of this, what's been the reception to the change? I think it's been great. You know, for one thing, people in those other programs are really excited about being part of it. But the crowds have also been pretty good, and the support's been really good. You know, it's, I mean, it's not the same in some ways as, you know, for certain people in the community as the basketball was, because in and around the university men, we used to have the high school boys, and then we had the JV boys. So it was a bigger sort of event in some ways. But now the focus is really on that university side. And I think I don't. that's not a negative either. I think it's a positive. And times change, you got to adapt to 
them. Yeah, I think we do need to adapt and move forward. And we aren't a one-sport program. You know, and when you look at the history of the success in this program, women's volleyball jumps to the top, as does women's basketball, as does men's volleyball. So for those programs to be as successful as they've been in the history of this event and not to get sort of to be part of the, the premier event that we did was really unfair. It's Westman Athletic Director Dave Crook. Now, Phil Hudson is the interim head coach of the team after longtime coach Diane Scott was let go in August. Hudson worked at Dakota Collegiate, coached the boys' volleyball team there for 31 years, five provincial titles, and then took over a program here with a combined record of 7-65 and 65 over the past three seasons. This year, though, 5-7 and seven so far. And Hudson loves that his team can be part of this annual event. Yeah, it's a great opportunity for our program, and... Uh, when they announced that it was go- going to be uh, rotated from team to team and stuff, and uh, we j- just feel lucky that it's finally our turn to to be uh, highlighted in the Westman Classic. Looking forward to the opportunity. Now you're new to the program, but you've been a part of volleyball in this city for, for decades. To see volleyball, I, uh, women's, men's, to finally be a part of this Westman Classic, uh, what does that mean for the sport? Well, it's one of the, the sporting highlights uh, in Manitoba for, for for decades. It's been the high, one of the most important sporting events taking place, and for uh, the women's volleyball uh, team to have a chance to be take part in it, it's great. And it's great for uh, the young women around Manitoba to get a chance to see the top teams from the country and uh, come to Winnipeg to play. So it's it's going to be awesome. Now, for your team this season, how does this pretty good you know, Christmas break activity every four years you get it. How does this help you for the season going forward? Well, this is going to be a, a, a great advantage for us getting a chance to play against, uh, uh, you know, some great teams from the East Coast and from Ontario. And we're going to use it to help prepare us for our second half. And uh, we don't have much downtime after the tournament. We get a chance to start right away in the following weekend against one of the top teams in, the, in Canada West and Thompson River. So it's going to be a great opportunity for us to continue our progress as a team and we look forward to the opportunity and at the same time making sure you're not rusty coming back exactly it's a long layoff sometimes over the fifth exams and the christmas holidays and stuff so having them come back right on boxing day for us to start training for the tournament allows us to prepare well for our second half season how would you say the first half went i was great we uh we had five wins and uh, out of the five wins and seven losses. So out of the twelve matches we played, we probably played ten great, great matches. Even though some of them was we didn't win, we were very competitive and we we're very happy with where we are. And uh, looking forward to adding on to uh, the first half success in the second half. It's Westman women's volleyball interim coach Phil Hudson. Finally, Kalina Schultz in her third year with the Westman, fifth year overall after transferring from the U of M. She says getting her team center stage is great for the program. Um, it's kind of like a recognition thing. Like it's super nice for us to get out there. And and uh, I think before like men's sport has primarily been uh, a bigger focus at sometimes. Um, and so it's super nice that the women's sports are getting recognized as well. Um, it's also a huge thing for our program uh, just to prepare us for the second season. Um, and obviously one of our goals is uh, is to win the tournament, but also a goal is to play at a level that will help us prepare for next semester. Because you got seven other teams coming in and from all across the country, so it's a good chance to test you, but also make sure you're not too rusty coming off the, the long break here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Definitely. We've had exams and everything. We've had a little bit of a break, um, and we're still doing workouts and having practices, but um, we haven't played uh, for a month or so. Um, so 
yeah, definitely want to make sure we're ready for the second semester because we're tied for a, a playoff spot right now. So we just want to make sure to kind of lock that in. How would you say this team has progressed since you joined the program? Um, yeah, we've progressed a lot. It's um, <laughs> sorry, I'm trying to think what to say. Um, yeah, no, it's just it's just great. I think everyone's just on a different um, kind of mindset this year. Um, and we are all having the same goal to win, um, working hard in practices, and Phil has brought a lot to the program. And yeah, we're just super happy with how everything is going. So what is the, you mentioned the goal is to win this tournament. What's your goal for the rest of the season? Um, definitely to get the playoff spot. Um, that's kind of our only goal. Um, in the past couple of seasons, we haven't uh, made playoffs at all. Um, and so that would be a super exciting thing um, for the program and especially for, for myself in my last year. It would be a nice way to end off. And for girls out here that are going to come to this tournament, what do you hope to show them? Um, we hope to show them kind of just what um, our program is about, all the hard work that we put in. Um, and um, if we can play the way we do, um, they'll see that we're just kind of a unit on the court and we just love to play and we love the sport and kind of an encouragement uh, to younger girls to keep playing, um, do the things they love. Okay. Thanks for your time and good luck. Thank you. That is Kalina Schultz, third-year player with the Winnipeg Westman, fifth-year overall. 53rd Westman Classic, December 28th through 30th. If you want to check it out, you can go to westman.ca. Or ticket information. Tune into the CGOB Sports Show weeknights from 7 to 9 with me, Christian O'Mell, or you can download the podcast on iTunes. It's actually on iTunes now. Wow. If you got an Android, then I think you're out of luck, but Apple products, you're good. So listen to the podcast. Please subscribe. You can rate it. What's the worst that could happen? <laughs>